delved into it to, into them too much but obviously getting to know him and then getting to know that <laughs> doorbell. who's at the door nick do you want to get who's it? at the door who's at the door that's a first who's at the door <laughs> this is this is brand new it this is. is a brand new for the things part go. of the show go I'll, I'll i'll do you want to get it yeah go it was you it wasn't me was it yes <laughs> This week in our 20th episode, we taste the bullet Kentucky straight bourbon 10-year-old. And I interview Kevin Martin, the lead singer of Candlebox. Remember, you can find some more juicy content on all our social media platforms at Whiskey and Things Podcast on Instagram and at Whiskey and Things on Facebook and Twitter. And while you're at it, please just drop us a review. We'd love a review. I think we've got eight reviews on iTunes now, Nick. All of eight. Wow. Let's see if we can get to ten by the end of the week. That would be lovely. Would be lovely. Lovely. No pressure. You're listening to the Whiskey and Things Podcast with Dave Giles and Nick Kent. Welcome to Whiskey and Things, episode 20. The big 2-0. We're proper adults now. I am Nick Kent. And you... If I'm not mistaken, I'm Dave Giles. Is that right? What, me? I believe that, so, yeah. That guy yeah. right there. That guy right there. How you doing, man? You're right. Not too bad. How about you? I'm right. Congratulations on 20 episodes, mate. And you as well. How are you wearing a jacket when it's this hot? Put on one of my special Zara jackets for the 20th episode. Got light on it as well. I'm sitting here in a vest, visibly sweating, yeah. visibly wet and moist. Well, and you're sitting there in a jacket looking immaculate. Mate, I'm just a cooler character. What can I say? <laughs> it's not my fault, you know? It's actually you're hot up here in the north as well. Or the Midlands, wherever I am. It's the Midlands. Yeah, yeah, definitely Midlands. the Midlands. Yeah, we decided that, didn't we? Yeah. 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 You and I and a friend of the Podrish have decided yeah. <laughs> Manchester, Midlands. Definitely Midlands. <laughs> yes. You tried definitely telling someone Midlands. from Manchester that. I've tried, I did that the other day. We're not impressed. But there we go. Yeah. It, anyway. It doesn't feel like 20, does it? It doesn't, mate. 24th of March we started. It's crazy, isn't it? Mm. You think when we did the YouTube show and we did 50 and... Oh, don't. Brings back nightmares. I seem to say forever. And they were only 20 minutes long. Were they? Well, think yeah, about they're it. Yeah. They're meant to be I five. Think about it. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. Was it harder doing video than it is doing... Well, it is, obviously, because I have to talk. Just like that, which doesn't go well sometimes. With video, you can just kind of look at the camera and raise an eyebrow and then do a cheeky cutaway to Danny Gruff or something. But in this, <laughs> we actually have to be verbally entertaining. If so. you don't do a cut-off to Daddy Gruff now, I'm going to be really disappointed <laughs> if the sting isn't Daddy. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's more work. <laughs> well, you set yourself up for these things, Nick. I know. So uh, while you're setting yourself up, should we just crack on? Let's just get on with it before you give me some Let's more Let's see it from Daddy. Do. <laughs> How's Danny doing? Can we talk about Hoover porn again? No, no, don't care. Don't care anymore. Whiskey bots roll out. Hey Nick, did you see what just happened on the news? Uh, just now? Literally, like this afternoon. Mm, it's it's no, I've been it's researching. What? It's Thursday afternoon, right? Yes, it is. And uh, the Speaker of the House of Commons. Oh yeah, has just confirmed his own whiskey. He's confirmed it. Yeah, so apparently this is a tradition which dates back all the way to the 1980s, Nick. All the way back there. Um, so time. according to the BBC, the House of Commons Speaker, Sir Lindsay Hoyle, mm -hmm. has picked a variety of Scotch whisky that will bear his name. So oh. the Speaker has his own oh. blended Scotch. Amazing. Um, which is on sale apparently at the Houses of Parliament 
gift shop. Well, I didn't even know they had a gift shop. I've no. been there. Where the hell is the House of Parliament gift shop? Uh, so it's called Speaker Hoyles Select. And it's made me think that I should have gone into politics. Is that the only reason not to make a difference? No, to get your own whiskey. Not to make a difference on society, David. But the thing is, M- MPs, Nick, they're not allowed to drink in the Commons Chamber, except... Damn straight. ...the Chancellor. The guy who's in charge when, of the money. Yeah, and only <laughs> okay. when they deliver the budget. That's really weird, isn't it? And the only person who's ever done that was Ken Clark, who did it in the 90s. Okay, that's a great uh, fact. And he, he sipped a whiskey as he laid out John Major's government's economics programme. Amazing. How crazy is that? God. How crazy is that? Anyway, a bit of fun Just fact about whiskey. Just the nerves. Good so, Lord. Uh, yeah, the speaker's got a whiskey, and the chancellor is allowed to drink whiskey in the Commons Brilliant. only when he delivers the budget. Amazing. Things I didn't know before today. Well, there we go. There you go, listeners. Something there to uh, say in the pub. To the people you already know, because you can't mix with new people. Um, <laughs> anyway. Let's talk about this bourbon. This week's whiskey. Bullet Kentucky it's- Straight Bourbon, 10-year-old. Of course, some of you might remember we did the uh, original back in week two. I've got the actual the original. Have you? I've run out. I had a little bit left for a uh, infinity bottle, which I haven't done yet. So I'm going to drink that, kind of just compare it a little bit um, with the 10-year-old here. Anyway, a little bit of a refresh on Bullet, if you haven't listened to episode two. It's not Jim Bullet, as Dave said originally, back in uh, number two, which was wonderful. Jim Bullet. Jim Bullet. Jimmy B. Yeah, the original Bullet was started, or the original thought of Bullet Bourbon was started by Augustus. What a great name. Augustus Bullet, (laughs) back in the 1800s. Wasn't he a character in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Is it? I don't know. Charlie and the Bourbon Factory. Oh, man. Yeah. There it is. There it is. There it is. Oh, that's a T-shirt in there somewhere, Dave. That is a T-shirt, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Augustus Bullitt, um, back in the 1800s. Where was I? Yes. And his great-grandson, I think it was. Anyway, it might be just grandson. Tom Bullitt started uh, Bullitt again in the 1980s. 87 is when he started distilling. Bullitt have opened their new distillery in 2017 making their own stuff. But for years and years, it was actually uh, Four Roses Distillery who made Bullet. So they sourced it for ages and ages and ages. Yeah. That's that's pretty standard with a lot of uh, bourbons. I love the stuff on the website of how they've uh, described the story. I'm going to say it in like a movie voice, Dave. A whiskey nearly lost forever. (laughs) This is how they say it. A tavern keeper in the 1830s, Louisville, Kentucky, Augustus Bullet was dedicated to a single goal, the creation of a bourbon unique in flavor. After experimenting with countless varieties, he finally came up with a bourbon with the character he had long sought for. This is the best bit though. Yeah. One fateful day, while transporting his barrels of bourbon from Kentucky to New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. <laughs> Augustus bullet vanished. What happened is still unknown, and his creation nearly disappeared into history along with him. Wow. Yeah, that was 1860, apparently. He went missing. No one knows what's, uh, where, what happened to him. That's on the website, so uh, it's very dramatic. But uh, yeah, It's very dramatic. Who, who knew? Who knew, eh? Well, anyone who's been on the website. But I love it. It sounds all really American and stuff, but it's actually brewed by the Kirin Brewing Company, which is a Japanese integrated beverage company. <laughs> no way! Yep. Which is owned by Diageo. 
<laughs> Big business. <laughs> of course it is. Yeah. Of course it is. Yeah, of course it is. But who cares as long as they make good stuff, eh? Um, yeah, in 2017, Diageo opened the Bullet Distillery, the new one, in Shelbyville. I thought they were just famous for making turnip juice. <laughs> Do you know there's loads of Shelbyvilles in America, and they're all yeah, they're all next to Springfield. There's like loads of different I don't places. You. I don't believe. You. No, there is. No, I promise. I keep Absolutely driving past not. them when I'm on my road trips. I'm like, oh look, yeah. Shelbyville, and then on the Springfield. Ah, that was a classic episode. That was yeah. Amazing. It was wonderful. Anyway, should we uh, have a little look at this? Why not? 10 years. So you've got an extra four years on what we tried before. So is there a difference, Dave? You haven't got it side by side, have you? No. I have. So I'm just going to let... It's got an extra four years. So it is slightly darker. I was going to say, it does look it does look darker than uh, what I remember Bullet to be. And yeah. someone who's drunk quite a lot of that. I've got, it's the same mash mm. bill, same everything, just aged an extra four years because original Bullet is around six years they age it. Right. I mean, that just reminds me of paint and decorating. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, maybe it was the white spirits or the, or the spirits in the paint oh, okay. or something like that. But it's the ethanol, right. Yeah, there's, there's, it's quite ethanol-based. Well, ethanol-y. I'm getting um, cherry and cola. And side by side, it's sweeter on the nose than the original. It's definitely sweeter on the nose. Okay, now I'm going past the alcohol. I am getting that cherry cola vibe. Cherry cola. And quite marzipan. A weird marzipan, oh, yeah. which yeah. again, that cherry. We've said that before about cherry cola and marzipan yeah. being similar. Yeah. Anyway, mm. stop posing with the nosing. What's the standard bullet strength, Nick? Standard's forty-five. Right. Okay. Well, this is forty-five point six. Yeah, it's just a little bit more. It does feel a bit stronger. It's definitely got more of a burn to it. Mm. I was hit by spice because this has got a quite a high rye content compared to um, other bourbons. It's like twenty-eight percent rye. 68% corn and 4% malted barley. So, uh, yeah, the 28% is quite a lot compared to others. But did you pick up the spice in the original as well? Because obviously it's the same same amount of rye in the original bullet. Let me have a look. But I can't... I mean, you're right. It, is, it does feel a bit spicy. Yeah, you do. It's... Ooh. I think you almost taste it more. In the original? Yeah. I think maybe the ageing has maybe taken more of the wood characteristics and maybe a bit more of the, the sweetness from the... Uh, Charred barrels, the caramelization. Do you know what? That's what this reminds me of. You know, I've made some barbecue sauces in my time. I have made. They've been good. They've been good. I've run out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of them, we burnt some peaches. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that was how we, we made the base. It was yeah. like this burnt peachy, peachy thing. Caramelized. That, yeah. Caramelized peaches. And, yeah, the, and the smell we'd made from that reminds me a lot of how this tastes. As soon as I had it, I was like, this reminds me of being in the kitchen when we did that barbecue sauce. Yeah. And it's really that burnt boiling fruit. Mm. We flamed it up. You can really get that, can't you? I'm getting that. Caramelised fruits. Yeah. Yeah, not many people would have had that as a standard. Like, you don't stand, like, <laughs> you don't burn many fruits on a regular basis, but you can really, for me, it's it's a vivid memory of creating those sauces, which is reminding me of that flavour, mm. which, yeah, which would suggest that I think this would be great with a barbecue. Oh, oh, mate, yeah. Because I'm imagining... um caramelised pineapple on a burger. Oh. Yeah? Oh. You feeling that? Yeah. Nick, I quite like this. There is a more oakiness, woodiness to it. Almost smokiness, but it's not smoky. Yeah. Do you know what I mean by that? No, there is like a touch. You, Yeah, I know what you mean. Again, that might be from the charred, more time in the barrel. The charred stuff, yeah. yeah. It's, it's that charred something or other. There, there is a little bit of that in there. Yeah, that's really nice. It is it's nice. really nice. I'm not sure I'd want this as a daily. It's not different enough. From the original bullet, I think. 
And again, is it worth the extra money, right? Because this is about money. 40 quid, this bottle. Uh, the original's 25 to 28, depending on where you get it. So for the extra four years, you know, you're adding like... Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not getting... 15. I'm not getting that much extra flavour. Yeah. But I like, I really like the original. So I think, mm-hmm. I think it would be always going to be tough to get a jump up. Yeah, totally. It is nice. I'm seeing a difference. There's some roasted pepper in there as well. There's definitely some pepper, yeah. Yeah. Roasted red pepper. Oh, yeah. Again, charred. Charred red pepper. Yeah. Again, barbecue vibes. Mate, it's just... Bar- yeah. It's why it just goes so well with barbecue food. This is the thing. Yeah, maybe it's because it's so so nice outside and I'm thinking of barbecues. Maybe it's because I've been cleaning a barbecue grill most of this week. But Have you? There's, yeah. Yeah. The long story that I've even had my thumb. Oh, yeah. does that Got smell like Band-Aid? Does it? <laughs> That's why I could smell Band-Aid on the... Oh, mate. <laughs> Dude, I looked up this morning why certain scotches smell like Band-Aid. Oh, yeah. It's very boring and I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, this is nice. It's pleasant. Uh, I don't think it's worth the extra money if you just want a good bourbon and I would go with the bullet standard. Yeah. Um, but it is cool though. Like, I know you like bullet. If I felt like treating Dave Giles, I'd get him a bottle of 10. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, yeah, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be disappointed with it. No, you I wouldn't like, be disappointed at all. What have I done? Yeah, exactly. The but then I'd save it for the se- special occasions or I'd yeah. have it as like my first whiskey of the night and then move on to standard. Yes. Yes. Like, kind of vibe. Just because it's got that little bit more, that, just a little bit more that it's like, oh, that's nice. It has. It has got a little um, bit more. There's definitely more flavour to it. It's different. Yeah. Yes. Well done, Bullet. Yeah, not bad. I like that. Or Four Roses, who, or whoever or, made this or Diageo, 10 years or... ago. Thank you. Team. Team effort. Yes. Love it. Yes. Stay tuned, because later in the show, we'll be hearing from the Whiskey God to hear his views on this 10-year-old Bullet Bourbon. Kentucky whiskey. As we start this thing section, it just we did get interrupted by the postman. Uh, Nick has taken a delivery and now he's getting hot, so his jacket might come off. No, just so you know, not... listeners, I like to keep you up to date with what's going on. Yeah, it's good uh, visual. Good visual. Getting, audio it's aid. It's getting a little there. bit moist on the forehead. A little bit moist. Not as moist as me. I need but someone it's not to as, dab. Uh, someone to dab me. I need, I need a, a volunteer. A dabber. <laughs> dabber? Where's Danny when you need him? I know, I need a dabber. <laughs> Is there an app for that? I really thought it was Daddy at the door. I was like, if it's Daddy, after I was like that whole how's Daddy thing at the start, I was like, that would be amazing. He knew I had him on speaker on my phone. Like, come around. Yeah, you must have texted him. Actually, can you come around? That'd be quite funny. It would save me an editing job. Cheers. <laughs> Get on with it, Dave. What have you done this week? I've oh, done mate, nothing. I've not, yeah, well, um, not not a great deal. I've been trying to clean a barbecue grill and, and hurt my thumb. Oh. Uh, but I did wake up on Tuesday morning to a, a, an Instagram message from Kevin Martin of Candlebox fame. Did you now? Um, yeah, he, said, he slid into my DMs. Oh, cheeky. Uh, asking if I would like to record a cover with him oh. and the rest of the band uh, yeah, over the awesome. next couple of weeks. I know, it's pretty cool. We're going to be doing Under Pressure and I'm going to be David Bowie. Oh, Except I'm I remember be me. my I'm, first beer. No? I mean, that's just a sublime impression, Nick. Thanks. Sublime. It's almost as if he's back. Have you done it before? It's um, like it's like you've rehearsed that. I was rehearsing it quite recently, actually. Um, yeah. Don't know why. Don't know why. <laughs> Please carry on. Anyway, so uh, th- this is this is a big deal. So 
Kevin Martin is in the band called Candlebox, as I just mentioned. Yep. I got to know him and uh, Candlebox through Adam Curie, who played bass on my album. And uh, Dean DiCioso, who produced that album, has recently produced the, the new Candlebox album, the next Candlebox album. So that that's where the connections are. Now, in the UK, there's probably a lot of people, if they're from the UK, listening to this going... Who a Candlebox, but in America they were they were very big. They had an album come out in in July 1993 uh, that went quadruple platinum. Ooh dear, quadruple! Uh, and Jesus. It, it got all all the way into the top twenty of the Billboard chart. So they had some big time success uh, in the nineties and have carried on. And 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 the band has has changed over the years, but Kevin's been the constant as the singer all the way through. Um, and they're really good. They're just really yeah, really good. And the the current lineup is delightful yeah. so um, I asked him if he'd like to do a little interview for us for episode 20 I thought well we'll get Kevin on for the special episode 20 what did he say Dave and he, what did he say he said he said of course oh, so what a nice guy here is bit of luck wasn't it part one of my interview with Mr Kevin Martin of Candlebox Ugh, things hello Kevin Martin thanks very much for joining us how you going, mate? Nice to talk with you. <laughs> so, uh, how how is life in America? How how's how's things been going over in California for you? Um, it's a little strange. Um, it's uh, you know, I'm uh, this is the longest I've been home in probably, I'd say, nineteen years. Um, wow! The last time I was home longer than three months was two thousand and one. I mean, it's it's been nutty, really, really nutty. Um, but it's good. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't really have any complaints. Um, it's nice to be chilling with my kid and my wife and, and be nice. home, you know, I, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't had to do this, uh, in a while, but LA is weird. You know I mean? We have, people aren't paying attention and people don't want to wear masks and they go to grocery stores and they bitch about it. It's strange. You know, you think about like, um, life in general, you know, say the thirties, forties and fifties, where this country being America was, trying to rebuild itself, um, you know, after the great depression and people were doing things for one another. People were taking care of one another. People would take vaccines or be careful around people who had polio and stuff like that. You know, nobody gives a shit in America. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't care. And it's sad. It's it's so true over here. We've got the whole, everyone talking about blitz mentality and how London survived the blitz. Well, they survived it by following the orders that we were given. Yeah. And uh, and no one is, well, not no one, but not enough people are. No. And of course, this is also like a forced holiday, which I know I wouldn't have taken a holiday this long for sure. Um, but with that, there are obviously um, some disappointments. I'm guessing you had to delay some things. You yeah. recently recorded your next album with Dean DeChoso. Yeah, it was supposed to come out this month. <laughs> oh, wow. And uh, yeah, so we've... we've had to postpone that till next year. You know, I think with all the restructuring of the record labels and the touring industry, you know, over here, the word is that we're not going to see touring until 2022. Um, oh, wow. Well, that's mainly because the venues can't get insurance. That's a, you know, that's a huge thing. I guess it's probably for the best that we're not releasing record because we can't support it. You have to support an album when you release it. You know that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. What do I do? You know, luckily I've been able to save enough money up over the past few years to survive Take time up yeah yeah that's that's pretty crazy especially when when the product is good to go right it's a it's yeah. a finished finished album but there's actually no point in, in doing anything with it no i mean were you pleased with the process of making the album at least was that all an enjoyable experience and and you're happy with what you've got or <laughs> uh 
I, I know I, uh, what it's like working with Dean. It's okay. <laughs> it's not. It's not. D- Dean was amazing. Dean is. Yeah. Dean is amazing. Um, I wasn't ready to make this record. I kind of forced myself to do it. Um, and, and I've and I've been known to to do that in my life before, and made records that I wasn't happy with. Um, namely, a record called Lucy, uh, which was our second album. This record was interesting uh, because we had the songs. Everybody was ready to make the record um, except me. I I just wasn't feeling like it was time for me to make an album. So when the record was recorded, come like the first week of September last year, I put it away and said, I'm not ready to do vocals. And I told Dean, I said, let's shoot for December. That'll give me time to work on the lyrics that I had that I was throwing away and stuff that I wanted to keep Mm -hmm. uh, to move around, things that I wanted to say. And then that got pushed to January. So I actually finished this record between January 9th and January uh, 13th. Uh, I did 12 songs in four days. And uh, then I went on tour. uh, Well, I did eight dates in February. And then the world shut down come March 14th. So, um, or 17th rather. So it was really, it was really late to the game. We had everything ready to go to release the album. They were just waiting for the finish, the lyrics and the vocals. So when I did that, the, the, packaging and all the artwork and everything was ready to go. And then Sony said, listen, we're, we're not releasing anything other than, you know, the, the superstar top 40 stuff that everybody wants to hear right now. So yeah, yeah it got shelved. Well, It'll come yeah. out next year at some point, but it's just so frustrating because I've never had that because, because I'm my own label. I've, I've always, when I finished something, I put it out. I couldn't sit on something. It must be frustrating sitting on it, knowing, knowing yeah. it's done <laughs> and you can't it's do hard. anything with it. Yeah. That must be quite yeah. tough. It's, it's frustrating me. It's frustrating me to the point where like I'm listening to it. I just listened to it in the car this morning. I was out running errands and, and I'm thinking, you know, we're releasing this first lyric video, August, I think 24th um, for the song that I wrote with Peter Cornell, um, Chris's older yeah. brother who I've wow. known, you know, for, yeah, yeah, yeah. for a long, long time. Uh, and that's coming out August 24th. And I'm kind of like, do we do this or do we not? Do we wait and, and hang on to it? And my management's kind of like, listen, this will keep, people salivating and then of course we're doing these cover songs which i've asked you to do with us which i'm really excited about you know we're we're using like six different drummers we're having five or six different uh singers sing with me we're doing duets that keeps the you know it keeps their palettes a bit wet but you know everybody's waiting for this record and i really want to release it i don't love this album and that to me makes me think that maybe we did the right thing with this record every time i've loved a record it hasn't done well and every time I've disliked a record, it's done well. So. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't like the first record. It did amazing. I didn't like the second record. It didn't do so well, but that was a different story. Wow. Must be quite frustrating not to be able to trust your instincts on, on, uh, on what you think well, is good. You know, Dave, I mean, I, I'm like, I've said all the time, I'm the reluctant lead singer of a rock and roll band that was a punk drummer in a punk band. Right. So I kind of got thrown into this world and, and becoming a singer in a band, you know, and it's funny, I look at myself singing and I'm like, how does that, it does still doesn't connect after 30 years of me mm. doing this as a career. I never really trust my instincts. Even when I'm singing a song or writing lyrics for a song, I don't trust them because it's not my first choice. You know, people say I do a good job at it and it's paid my rent for 30 years, but I yeah, still yeah. kind of not really wanted to be the singer of a rock and roll band. So obviously 30 years is a, is a, it's quite a long time now you've been doing this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that you're still making music and still doing it and actually getting out there. Is, is it a case of 
you you just don't know anything else or you just are so into the music and, and making it and, and that process? I think it's a bit of both. Um, I don't really know any better or I have other skills, I, you know, so I do other things, but music has, you know, since I was since probably two or three years old, it's been the only thing I've ever wanted. I always just wanted to have a band. I wanted to have a band like my favorite bands, you know, like everything I grew up listening to where it was one for all, all for one, and you were going to go down in flames. And of course I had that for two records and then the wheels started falling off and band members left. And now I've, you know, I'm the only original member of Candlebox. I've got great friends that play with me that I love. And this is the band that I have now is my all-time favorite band um, that I've ever played with. I think it's just because we we all kind of see things um, the same way. Whereas with Pete and Barty and Scott, we were all such individual characters that it was almost like that was when Candlebox was um, the sum of its parts rather than its whole. Yeah. And now I think Candlebox is, is it's, it's its whole. I'm very, very lucky. Um, it's all I know. It's all I ever wanted. And then at the same time, it's everything I hate. And <laughs> it's, it's a love-hate relationship. I hate that I'm home right now. I really, really, really want to be playing shows. But I know if I was on the road like I was supposed to be right now for about three weeks, I'd be like, I want to go home. Come over to Kentucky and enjoy some bourbon. Does he think we're Australian, Dave? I, yeah, I mean, that, that, yeah, yeah. There's an element of that, isn't it? It's, I mean, it's, it's a pretty standard American impression of an Australian person. Yeah. But uh, I enjoyed that. That was really good. That was really good. Slightly depressed me when he said that touring might not be back until 2022. I know. But it's what everyone's got to, um, unfortunately, accept at the moment. No, that was great. Yeah. That was great. Yeah, he's a, he's a fascinating guy. We talk a lot more and uh, we're going to have a second part of this interview coming up uh, later on in the show. Fantastic. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, he's just a really, really nice guy. Really honest as well, which is really, yeah. uh, really refreshing. Yeah. But um, yeah, so so uh, we uh, should we see what the God's up to this week? We might as well. Otherwise, this episode is going to get longer and longer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he's around? What are we doing? Like, dance episode 20. You should know the deal by now. Is she just yeah yeah suburban. What if I what if I wave some under his nose? <laughs> mm. Oh, that did the oh! trick. Here he is. Sometimes you yeah. just have to give him a smell of it. Here he is. You spoke a lot in last week's episode of replacing me. Is that how you repay twenty weeks of my expert services? Uh, that was Dave. Blame Dave for that one. Uh, yeah, actually, that was that was me. Yeah. But, you know... I still love you. I just think we should mix it up a bit, God. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Nothing I mean, wrong with that. It's, yeah, it's Jeff Whiskey. He knows his stuff, I guess. He does know his stuff. Who is this Jeffro character? This Jeff Whiskey? This amateur? Let's get this straight. His name is Jeff. He rates whiskey. With a scale of how many Jeffs the whiskey deserves... Uh, awesome, Jeff. Wow. Wow. Great talk. Sass. Good job. Sass from the Whiskey God. Wow. Well, I like Jeff's whiskey rating system. I think it's very obvious. That's different categories and it, it appeals to me. Yeah, and it appeals you know, to me. in your head, Jeff, the little Jeffs just look different to everyone. You know? Exactly. Put a little stamp on exactly. the Jeffs. Exactly. Some, yeah. Maybe we should have like little Whiskey Gods. Well, like, I was just thinking groups. that. So, so God, can we... <laughs> What I would like right now is to hear your tasting notes and review of the bullet 10-year-old bourbon. And in an ideal world, tell me how many gods <laughs> you rate it. <laughs> bullet 
Charlotte, Kentucky Straight Bourbon, 10-year-old. Tasting notes. On the eyes, a golden amber. On the nose, floral notes mixed with maple syrup. Tinges of sweet, orange-like citrus notes tingle the nose with some green, plant-like qualities. There is an astringent sting, but definitely from a refinement of the alcohol, not that ethanol astringency of something younger. On the palate, immediately spicy, dry, bang, and there's that sting. After your mouth is desensitized by it, further notes unlock combining spicy with sweet, such as spicy dried apricot, burnt oak and cola. A sort of dark mint follows and ends in a calming caramelized vanilla. Then you notice the mouth watering. You need another sip. With water, those floral notes soften and lead to a sort of candied holiday nut arrangement. Maple and cinnamon peek out here. The spiciness subdues and that dried apricot now moistens into a flourish of cherry syrup. The mouth-watering quality is also quelled, but leaves behind spicy citrus notes, still inviting for another glass. On the finish, burnt wood and spiciness linger for quite a while. The sweet fruit also fades nicely, smoky, long, and rich. Overall, this whiskey is quite complex and oddly does not seem to sing a similar song to its younger, standard bottle of Bullet. While there are enticing complexities in this whiskey, I do not quite feel it was the most appropriate mosaic of flavors. The flavors alone are gorgeous, but the combination here was confusing. Was I tasting 10-year refinement or 10-year confusion? Was it an experiment? Well, if it was, not all accidents are happy accidents. One will not regret purchasing this bottle for about $40, but I wonder if one would return. Bullet Kentucky Straight Bourbon, 10-year-old. Ta-ta. Not a fan, then. Wow, he didn't give us a rating out of gods. No, it's not his style, Dis is it? I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed. Well, after you've threatened to get rid of him or whatever, he's not going to, like, bow down and start reviewing things in baby whiskey gods or whatever. I don't blame him. I think he should. I think it's a much better system. <sighs> anyway, anything on that you want to talk about, Nick? Well, he wasn't a fan, was he? Um, he said. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he got the cola and spiciness, yeah. It's a long, rich finish. You know, I, I agree with that. He got the um, the ethanol on the nose, like I said. He did, he did, he did. But yeah, as he kind of the same vibe with us. It's nice, but well, he was a bit more uh, mean about it. We think yeah, it's not it worth the extra money, but he was he was getting a bit mean. But, that uh, was two weeks in a row. He's been mean. Is he just in a mood? Is he is he taking out the fact that that we're threatening to replace him on distilleries? Uh, you, you, yes. He's trying to get us in the bad books, all the distilleries, because you're threatening to get rid of him. That's what it is. Distilleries are going to hear his reviews and be like, these guys don't like us. They're not going to send you any nice samples in the future when we're huge, when we're a huge podcast, Dave. No? Keep thinking, Butch. That's what you're good at. That's what I'm good at. <laughs> right. We'll hear again from the Whiskey God next week.
If Hopefully he'll keep nice. it a little bit shorter. Yeah, I know. He's gone on a bit, wasn't he? Sting me! <laughs> Right, Nick, shall we hear more from Kevin Martin? I'd love to. I'm sure our listeners would too. So last year, Candlebox did come over to the UK and they did a tour. And I met up with them when they arrived at Heathrow and then went to watch the first gig out in Bristol. And it was crazy because obviously this is a big band uh, who in the US are used to playing bigger places and they're playing the Fleece in Bristol. Mm. And there was about 50 people there, 30 to 50 people there. And it was pretty crazy to see a band that you know, like they're, Everything about that show was a different level of professionalism nice. that you wouldn't necessarily see on those kind of stages. It was a big show in a small place to not many people. Yeah. And the thing is, like, some musicians would have an ego about that and get depressed about it mm. or think it's beyond them. But every one of the bands seemed to have a great time. They were enjoying it. They embraced everyone who was there. Yeah. They, they had drinks with everyone before and afterwards. They were getting involved with the support acts. It was really good to see someone yeah. that's an established act somewhere else coming somewhere where they're brand new. Well, not brand new, but someone somewhere where they're, they're kind of starting over to an extent. It was their first UK tour in God knows how long. And not be idiots, like not be dicks. Yeah. Actually embrace the situation. Yeah, it's good. But they're probably um, like missed playing little clubs and stuff. You know, there's a completely different vibe, which is as fun, sometimes more because you're closer to everyone. It's more intimate. Yeah. You know. So I, I brought that up and I asked, I asked Kevin about it and uh, thought it'd be an interesting thing to talk about. Sweet. What I said earlier, you know, about like hating and loving this, this band the reason that show was what it was is this band is so much fun to play with. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be 10,000 people because Island will do something or Brian or Dave or Adam that will freak me out on stage. And I love it because they're so talented and I'm so lucky to play with them. So that's why it's, it's, you know, you get a show like that out of us because we're not in it for the money. You know, we were a band that got lucky and had a hit back in 1993. That's paid my rent for 30 years. Ever since then, it's just been about the music, you know? Um, And even then, when I wrote the song about Andy, Far Behind, it was a song I wrote for a friend of mine that passed away. Mm. It wasn't my intention to write, you know, a Don't Stop Believing ballad or something like that. It was a song I wrote for a friend that happened to give me this career. So it's never been about anything but the music. You and I had a conversation when you were over about how, and I found it really inspiring, about how you like to give opportunities to up and coming musicians uh, and smaller acts because you were given those opportunities. In this day and age, it's really difficult to break as an artist. You know, you, you're, you're trying everything you can. You've got the social network and all the bullshit. There's so many ways to get music out there, but it's really hard for people to see that talent unless they're looking for it. And in my mm. opportunity uh, or what I see as my opportunity is is to take these bands that I really respect um, and that I think people should hear or see and give them that opportunity. I, I take bands out on the road. Did I pay 750 bucks a night that are worth a hundred dollars, yeah. but it's my way of paying it back. The, the, that opportunity that was given to me back in 1993 by a band called living color. And then in 1994 by the guys in rush. And then in the summer of 94 with Metallica and then Henry Rollins in the fall of 94 in Europe. All these opportunities that were given to me, and of course, we were selling tickets for these bands. Don't yeah. get me wrong. They, they, they saw an opportunity for a younger audience to come in, especially the Rush guys, which you know we spent three months with them, and they explained it uh, to us uh, at the end of the tour. You know, we 
picked you guys because we knew that there was something happening. You know, we'd gone out and played for 20 people a night. We played a show in Madison, Wisconsin in August of 1993 to five people. That was the staff at the club. So, yeah. you know, all of a sudden we go out with Living Color. We're playing to 2,500 people a night in, you know, October, November, December of 1993. Come back to Seattle. Our song, You, has now taken our record to gold. And we do three nights sold out at the Paramount Theater in Seattle, which is at the time was 3,000 seats. We did 9,000 seats. Seven months earlier, we couldn't sell out a 500-seat venue. Yeah. Those opportunities that were given to us by those bands is something, it's my responsibility to give that back to to the bands that I respect that I think people should hear, you know? So uh, this podcast, Kevin, is called Whiskey and Things. Mm. And uh, you, you like a whiskey. I do like a whiskey. It's too early in the afternoon for me to have one. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. <laughs> uh, but uh, what, what is your, what's your go-to whiskey and what's your special occasion whiskey? My go-to is... It really kind of depends. I mean, I, I'm a fan of Woodford Reserve. I, it's a, a very subtle, um, you know, it's a nice bourbon. It's clean. The distillation process is really nice. It's got a, it's got a little bit of a, of a burn to it, which I kind of like in my whiskey. Um, mm -hmm. I love a good rye. Um, uh, but my go-to's, you know, generally Woodford or uh, even Maker's Mark, you know, which is it, it's a classic old American. Um, yeah. I'm not a Jack Daniels guy per se. I find it a little bit too um, sweet. Mm -hmm. if you will. But yeah, I mean, I'll have one or two glasses of whiskey a night. My specialty, my splurge. I love Weller's. Um, okay. I, I just absolutely love that. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful whiskey and bourbon. Um, and of course, Whistlepig, um, you know, they're doing some 15 year old rye right now, which is insane. Um, it's very expensive. It's like $300 a bottle. It's magnificent, man. And then I love the, you know, the classic uh, scotches, you know, McAllen and, and Oban are two of my go-tos when I want to drink some scotch. Also, the Pappy Van Winkle is one of my, one of my um, all-time favorites as well. The guys bought me a bottle of 15-year-old for my 50th birthday. Wow. And um, yeah. Wow. So I said to him, I was like, I don't pay you guys enough to be buying me shit like this. But <laughs> Yeah, that's a crazy present. Lucky so I, I won't open that. I won't open that for probably another 15 years and I'll probably sell it, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's for sure. For sure. I, I remember you telling me that, that, that you not rely on it, but you, you certainly use whiskey to help you sing. Is, is that still something or is, did I misinterpret what you said there? No, no, 100%. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, it's liquid courage to get out on stage and then it's liquid um, love to, to keep singing. Um, for me, I think it kind of allows me to go vocally where I want to. Maybe it's because I'm, you know, numbing the shit out of my vocal cords or something. I, I'm not really sure, but I've tried not drinking on stage. Um, I've tried warm-ups before shows. I've, you know, 30 years of singing, I've tried it all. And I find that whiskey is the one thing, even in the studio, that can keep that, that keeps my voice where I need it to be. Um, you know, I don't, I certainly don't abuse it and go through, you know, six or seven glasses while I'm, you know, on stage singing, uh, you know, doing concert or in the studio, but I will have, um, you know, at least two glasses of, of whiskey when I'm in the studio making a record. And I like to actually switch it up every day. If I'm going to be in the studio for five days doing vocals, I'll have a different whiskey per, per day to see what it brings to me. You know, there's, there's a song on this record that um, we actually had to read, redo a vocal on because Dean, <laughs> we came in the next day and Dean's like, you're a little bit sloshed right here, um, <laughs> which, which I, I was, I mean, I, I, I remember I was like, Oh, that was the last song we did. Right. And he's like, yeah. And, and we had been drinking since like, you know, two o'clock or something. So, but it was just this one part where I got a little bit 
sloppy and slurry. And Dean was like, it's too obvious. So we actually had to, you know, retake the vocal for that. But, but there's also fun in that, man. Like, you know, go out and get, you know, drunk and make a record. I mean, if you're able to do that and you're not an alcoholic and, and you can enjoy it, there's a lot of fun in that, man. You, it, it, those inhibitions go away. Yeah. When, when we made, when I made the record with Adam and, and, and Kevin Harland uh, in Nashville and Dean in Nashville, certainly yeah. there was, there were certain songs when we were like just struggling and it was like, right, everyone, let's just go and have a whiskey. Yeah. And we would enjoy a whiskey together, go back in that room and it would be there. It would just, yeah. the, it just relax the muscles or whatever it was, just that, that de-stress or, or, or whatever, whenever things were just getting a little bit on top, it took the pressure off. It was just a nice, uh, nice little thing. And Dean got, Dean made me get drunk to perform one vocal. He was like, I want you, I want you drunk on this one. Yeah. Uh, so he was feeding and, me and, and, long. and there's fun in that, man. There's a lot of yeah. fun in that because you'll, you'll go places that you wouldn't normally oh, exactly. go mentally, yeah. you know? Yeah. I, I, there was no, the performance he got out of me from that was, wasn't what I would have done. And it's yeah. great for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even, even though it is a bit pitchy, it's perfect performance and that's what it yep. was all about. So. And that's what he wants. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Anyway, Kevin, thanks so much for, for coming on the pod. Really appreciate it. We'll, uh, we'll be sure to, to give all the, um, the album a plug when it eventually comes out. And, um, oh, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm sure we'll hear from you again as well. Uh, yeah, I hope so. And listen, man, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to singing with you on this, uh, this track. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going <laughs> to be great. It's going to be great. You're listening to the Whiskey and Things podcast. Oh, he loves his whiskey. That was that was really good to hear. That was really good yeah. to hear. I enjoyed that. Woodford Reserve, Liquid. nice. Likes a rye. You know, he knows Liquid his rye courage. spice. Yes, exactly. The whistle pig he was talking about. I've been looking into whistle pig recently because we're listeners. We're looking into the next few weeks and next batches of whiskey we want and um, for the show. I looked into Whistle Pig. It's rather expensive, David. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's silly money, isn't um, it? I looked at the 14-year-old Boss Hog, 550 pounds a bottle. Um, if, just for the show, it'd be about 40 quid a sample each. Wow. Yeah. And we'll have to, have to pass on that one. Yeah, I think, we might have to pass on that. But, um, Unless, of course... Lots of people sign up to our Patreon account well. uh, where they can where they can hear the full interview with Kevin Martin, where there's a lot more that me and him discuss in that interview. How about that for a link, Nick? That How about gr- that? Listeners, that wasn't so, even set uh, up. Wasn't even set up. No. What? Look at that, 20 right. episodes. We're really getting there, mate. We're really yeah, getting firing, there. firing, all yeah. firing on all cylinders. Yeah. So yeah, oh. you can head over to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash whiskey and things, whiskey without an E, and find yeah. out, well- hear the full interview with Kevin um, and watch it. Uh, We filmed it as well. I was just going to touch on the fact that um, the part he was talking about taking out younger bands because he's been given that chance from bands when he was kind of getting established. That's exactly the same thing we experienced in TAT when we went out to the States. Yeah. People like Kevin Lyman and Fat Mike of NoFX and the guys from the Bouncing Souls. We were a small band and they kind of saw us, they liked us and they took us on tour. And they paid us, especially Kevin Lyman, paid us a lot more than we were meant to get or we would deserve because he wanted to give us that chance to get going, you know. And Alice Cooper as well, you know, he took us out. His whole team looked after us. Nick, I think... But just like... I think, I think you just dropped something, mate. I'm right, hang on. It was a bit of a clang there. Well, you know, it was, yeah. <laughs> well, seeing as you're thinking about dropping one whiskey god, I thought I'd uh, drop a rock god on you. <laughs> 
But no, it is the same kind of thing. That's what we noticed yeah, yeah, out yeah. there in the States. The older bands really do help the young ones, which is really good to see. And I liked hearing it's that. It's great to see, isn't it? It's yeah. absolutely great. Um, I found that part really in- inspiring. And uh, when we, when me, him and I spoke about that um, last year, his, his whole attitude, we went for dinner and his whole attitude about talking about looking out for people and, and who he's, who he wants to do. And that like, I, I know he's personally donated to the, to opening acts mm. in Manchester crowdfunder this week. Yes. I, I, like, yeah, he it, said, so yeah. it's, it's not just that he gives those bands an opportunity to perform with them. He then keeps into, when he sees a band he likes, and I saw him in the room, he stands there and he watches the bands. Yeah, yeah. And when he sees a band that he likes, he then keeps tabs on what they're doing and, yeah. and, and what they're up to. And I think that's just wonderful. And, and the fact he's asked me to sing a song just because I know Adam and, and yeah. like give me an opportunity to, to, to reach their audience over over there. It's just, That's great. It's nice. It, 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 he's got the right attitude. It's and, the and way it should be. Exactly. More like him, please. More like him. Yes. So if you want to find out more about Candlebox, uh, it's 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 pretty easy. You just go on the internet and you add Candlebox after any of your social media things, and and you'll find them. Uh, Kevin's also got all of his own social medias as well. Um, rather than read them out, you can just look in the description of the video, and and they're all in there. But uh, essentially, you'll find him from the Candlebox stuff. Um, and also, I'm going to add some song, Candlebox songs to our Spotify playlist. If you're looking for whiskey and things on Spotify, uh, you can listen to this episode and then listen to some Candlebox songs, which I think are really great and some of the ones he mentioned as well. Wonderful. Um, So, yeah, thanks, Kevin, for coming on. Thanks, dude. The whiskey. There we go, Dave. Episode 20. Done. In the bag. Done and dusted. Thanks very much. Cheers. Thanks for coming. Good job. Good job. Go sports team. Um, we've heard, of, heard, as always, we've been hearing from people and please do keep your comments coming in on what we're up to and uh, share your stories with us. Uh, we A couple of weeks ago, remember when we were talking about you playing at Download? Yeah, fun days, fun days. Well, a couple of things. I said that Carla James was probably going to be there Yeah, because uh, she seems <laughs> to have been everywhere and she's, she laughed a lot when she heard that and uh, she said she hates to ruin it, but she didn't. She wasn't there. I'm insulted that you weren't there. But that, that year, James. 2005, was the year she started going to gigs and went from 14 gigs before that year to 70 a year. So that was a big year for her in terms of going to gigs. It's no surprise. We've been to so many with where she's been at. Um, also on on Instagram, uh, we heard from Ben, Ben underscore R 1978. And uh, he said he was there. I know I read this one. He wants yeah. you play at Download. Was his little brother? Yeah, he thinks so. Because his little bro was in a punk band at the time and was keen to listen. Uh, and we then watched the BMX jump off. So that's pretty cool. And um, yeah, he's clearly been listening a while because he also told us that his first gig was the Michael Jackson Bad Tour back in 1988. Mate, that's, a, that's great. Uh, which that's, is pretty crazy. That is uh, crazy. I bet that gig was a lot more fun than mine. Um, <laughs> you didn't need binoculars to see Michael Jackson, I don't think. Or, or um, maybe, maybe. Or maybe. Depends, depends on the seats you had. He would only have been young, so he may have been at the back. Yeah. Thank you I for getting in touch. Was. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I hope you yeah. did enjoy the show all those years ago. Funny, mate. Small world. Small, Small world. world. Love how that those things come together. Anyway, Nick, what we got up coming in, in episode 21. The 21. Big T1. Right. We're going far afield, Dave. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're going to India. India, of all places. India? Yeah. We're going to be trying the Paul John edited Indian single malt whiskey. So, nice. Yes. See, before we started this podcast, I had no idea that Indian whiskey was even a thing. And now I'm going to try one. I love it. Well, when we started this podcast, it. you pronounced it Bourbon as well. So we're, we're all learning. We're all learning. True. 
Two. Thank you, yes. As well, next week I'll be talking about another course that I'm doing courtesy of the Edinburgh Whiskey Academy as well. So, uh, so yes, uh, tune in for that. So, yeah, any more you'd like to add, David? Thanks to Kevin Martin for coming on. Yep, thank uh, you. Thanks to Jim Bullet for providing another fantastic whiskey. Yes. <laughs> Let's let the whiskey bots go. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, thanks for coming. Whiskey and Things has been brought to you by... And Things Productions.